0: Listening to the Traditional Outdoors Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Traditional Outdoors Podcast. We got a we got a group in the house tonight. I'm gonna skip to Mr. Tom. How's it going, buddy?
2: It's going great, Steve. Glad to be back on and be chatting with you guys. Same here,
1: Mr. Nick.
0: It's great to have you and Tom on the air with me tonight. It's wonderful. Haven't haven't talked to you in forever, Tom. it's been way
2: too long. Yep.
1: Well, there's a, there's a reason we got, we got all three on the, on the call tonight. We're going to, we're going to name, I think I'm going to name this one, the color, the colors of fall is going to be the, the name for this episode and we'll get into that in a minute, but, uh, do want to catch up on a few things. Um, so, you know, a podcast doesn't get fan mail, but kind of the, kind of the, the same thing over the last few days. I'll be honest, Nick, I think I've messaged you several times. I've I've kind of been shocked by how many people have reached out about our last episode. I think we ended up naming it Steam. Yep,
0: we did. Uh, I was talking
1: talking to Tom before we pressed record. Tom said, Really? <laughs> I, said, I thought it sounded like kind of a downer. <laughs> but we've had uh I've had several people message me and, and make different comments about, you know, some of the different things we talked about and you, you know, in agreement. Uh now obviously there's probably just as many that we ruffled some feathers but that's okay but you know uh, I still stand by everything we said and I thought it was a lot of fun too.
0: I thought so too and Tom's just a very positive optimistic man. He he doesn't want to hear the he doesn't want to hear the the rants. He just all the good stuff.
1: <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. We're going to make tonight we're going to make tonight better. But uh yeah, it was it was a lot of fun and hopefully hopefully we can we can stay away from that path for for a little while and and talk about positive things speaking of positive things and i know nick's dying to hear about this i (laughs) i came home uh yesterday i guess it was and and opened up my email and i had a i had an email company wanting to sponsor us wanting to sponsor the podcast (laughs) you know and it's uh Let's see what is the what is the best way to ease into this? So it's 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 a lawnmower, I guess is what you'd call it. Um, what a lawnmower for men!
0: Oh uh, my! Right. God. Oh, God. <laughs> everybody, man, you know you've made it when 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 they when they want to sponsor you, they sponsor everybody. I, and I'm not,
1: I'm not even going to call the name, but yeah, if you. Uh, uh, they want us to basically pitch their product for for all the men listening to the rugged traditional outdoors podcast that that feel the need to
0: shave their bald hair. <laughs> if you want to man, if you want to be a man, if you want to be a man <laughs> a lantern, that's the best way to do it. That's the best product on the market. So I hear. <laughs> so I hear. Yeah. <laughs> so Tom, how do you think this episode started? <laughs>
2: We're off to a better start than last time.
0: Man, you had me. You had me wanting to hear who this was. And I don't know if I'm upset or feel better than I did when you told me.
1: Well, here's obviously they're just blanket emailing everybody because they actually sent one to the the podcast email address and they sent one to my ga email address. Now, I got double hammered and I'm like, oh, wow, yeah. I really don't think our listeners are the crowd you're trying to sell to. If they if they're doing this, they're you know they're doing it by testing the sharpness of their
2: broadheads. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just what I was thinking. <laughs> they they're run not out of doing hair that. On their
0: arms, they run out of hair on their legs. Man, man no. those archery, those are... oh, there's hair, there's hair down. <laughs> those right. archery guys are shaving constantly. <laughs> Besides, they should know we're traditionalists. We don't use anything motorized. <laughs> <laughs> we're straight, we're straight edge guys. Uh...
1: Yeah, I don't know if we're gonna be able to get this back on the rails or not. But anyway. So there you go, Nick. Our our latest our latest sponsor all I do I do feel um, like we may I think it. we'll stick I think we'll stick with uh I think we'll stick with those we have. But uh anyway. Change of subject. Mr. Tom, you're uh you got a, a mini adventure coming up in the morning, right?
2: Yeah, so we're coming up to the end of bear season here in Michigan. So I don't have the tag, but I've got a hunter that does and our friend Rick has been setting bait, so we're going to go give it a shot. There's a, a really, really big bear uh, frequenting the area. i got, got a lot of pictures of him on camera. Um, big, but pretty nocturnal and we're coming into the first freezing cold snap. Uh, I think in the next two days, so that usually pretty much shuts this thing down. But uh, it's a big chance. Got a four-day weekend to try to make it happen, and then the season's over on Monday. So one last hoorah
1: Well, I I wish y'all all the best in the world. Um, keep me posted if there's if there's definitely if there's any success. Keep me posted. Otherwise, I'll I'll sync up where you want you. <laughs> once say, uh,
0: otherwise, day. he doesn't want to hear about it, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the
2: way it, that's the way it goes, isn't it?
1: You're gonna start putting words in my mouth now? Uh Steve <laughs> Steve cares. He cares. Yeah, I do I do care. I do care. And then um right on the heels of that, next next weekend I will be I will be leaving the sunny south and, and heading up there to spend a few days hunting with you guys. Um our well I guess it's your annual hunt. Maybe, maybe it's going to become an annual thing for me, but I know the last, the last couple of years I haven't been able to, to make it, but our Nick coined this, the Camp Classy Pants Hunt. I still don't understand where you come up with your name sometimes, but I did see a man show up to camp one year in, in a a hat and tails. So (laughs) I won't mention any names as to who that was, but it is, it is rather a classy group.
0: It is a classy group. That's, that's, we're really looking forward to having you, Steve, and we hope you can make it an annual thing. That would be great. That's a really fun camp, and it's in a good spot, and it's, uh, hopefully we have the weather this year. It's been everywhere from freezing to rainy and thunderstorms and, and just all over the place, so we're looking forward to it. We're looking forward to it. In fact, John were, John and I were walking around. You know John. He, he was involved. We were walking around. Um, <laughs> we, <laughs> <laughs> we were walking around after the hunt this time though. Um we were walking around look at some spots and and we found a couple new ones and and we're excited to get out there. And uh and hopefully it's uh it's not real busy that week out there. So yeah.
1: Well, I have uh I've planned just to, I started thinking about which clothes I was going to 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 bring up there for for hunting and I think I'm just going to bring everything I have from from uh you know 80 degree Georgia hunting clothing to 15 degree weather and and of course rain because I think we've experienced about everything
0: if, if I'm there
1: the times that I've been up if there, I'm there
0: it's gonna rain so at least one day but yes we've taught you well we've taught you we've taught you how to be prepared when you're coming to Michigan but I,
1: and I'm not stepping in any mud in any mud
0: puddles nope no mud puddles, no no bogs.
1: Oh, by the way, so and I know we're gonna we're gonna get into the stories uh, here in just a minute, but um, Sunday I gave Jamie a call, and uh, I don't know if either one of you have heard this story or not. So I get to tell it to you in the recording, which will make Jamie really happy. But seems Jamie was I don't know if he was actually you know up on the same. Uh, public land that we're going to hunt or if somewhere else recently but he uh he decided he needed to rinse his boot off and said this little puddle was about eight inches wide and about 18 inches long and he thought <laughs> there's no way and sure enough he went to his kneecap so <laughs> so it's not just me it's not just you uh now i've got a now i've got a partner in crime
0: mr speaking of mr jamie he sent us a picture last night he put a nail through his finger Ouch. Oh, like all the way through it. <laughs> but Noah Jamie, he probably yeah. just put a band-aid on
1: it. <laughs> With, bow his his bow arm or his string. He's hand? left handed, isn't he? Uh you know what? I think, but I don't know. It would
0: be, if he's left hand it looked like his right hand. It'd be his drawn hand if he was lead, if he was um right handed. Okay. So yeah. Right. Well, I don't I don't know. He's probably fine, he sh- but
1: he assured me he would be in camp. So, Jamie, if you're listening, a nail through the hand is no excuse.
2: Walk it off. Walk, Rub some, rubs some rubs dirt. dirt in it wasn't your
0: toe.
1: <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I, like I said, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, Good. And I'll be, I'll be, I'll be hanging out with Tom for for several days before that. And Tom, I don't know what day you're planning on actually heading out and trying to get. Do you want to try to get set up Wednesday afternoon, or are you gonna wait and head out Thursday morning?
2: Well, I figured we just go when it's time.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, whatever day that
2: when is. When the wind we'll, tells Tom we'll it's go.
0: time, he'll know.
1: Now, now Tom acts like that, and Tom is always the most prepared, most scheduled individual I've ever met. That's in my why I laughed. And then when you ask him a question like that, he'll, ah, oh, we'll just
0: go when the mood hits us. Yeah, right. <laughs> He's already got it all planned out. He's got like- everything's ready. <laughs>
1: He's- when everything's ready it depends on whether or not i smoke his house up making cornbread this time
0: yeah speaking of that you guys i had not the cornbread smoking it out but um i uh, i actually told my I, I, i've been having a real hard time at work lately and i was talking to my boss about it and she's like well you never take more than two days off at a time you should take more time off and i was like well you know i got hunting camp coming up and she was like we'll take the whole week off that's a good idea. Oh. I'm gonna take the whole week off. <laughs> That's a great idea. Really? <laughs> yeah, I've just been having a really hard time disconnecting since this whole thing happened. Just because I'm constantly, you know, how you got, you guys know how it is, you know, with with your jobs and remote, and I I have a hard time disconnecting. Like I have a hard time just getting away from it. So, right, you know, I feel like I'm I'm on call all the time and responsible for something just because I'm at home. So. Yeah, I ha- really haven't. I really haven't taken, when our Ireland trip got canceled, I really haven't taken that much time off. But if you think about it, even when I go anywhere where you guys are come down and see you, Steve, I usually only, I'm only out a max of three days. Like, it's always over a weekend.
1: Yeah, and we need to, hmm. we need to finalize, um, kind of finalize plans around the April trout expedition too, so we can get all that. Cause I think I'm going to take, I think I'm going to take that Friday off and I'm probably going to drive up Thursday afternoon and go ahead and, Get a get a a site picked out that'll kind of hold everybody that's coming, and because uh, we definitely want to be there Friday, but I think I'm gonna go up Thursday and make sure and get a good a good camping area, and then I don't know what day you know Tom and the rest of the crew, you and Tom and the rest of the crew is gonna show up, but mm-hmm. you can drop a line in the water Saturday morning, but we'll we'll figure all that out. We need to kind of need to plan all yep, that. Yep, I, I was but, actually uh, gonna
0: call Tom about that because I'm gonna go down with him, but. You know, I wanted to figure out when we needed to do everything. So yeah, but it's on the calendar. Yeah, if you fly, we're just going to leave I, you. In, I ain't, the ain't flying anywhere time. ever again. <laughs> <laughs> not anytime. Doesn't sound like soon. me. Not anytime. I, I am not anytime soon. I think you've beat me twice. <laughs>
2: oh. <laughs> <laughs> Driving. <laughs> For those that don't know,
1: the last time Nick came to 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 Georgia uh, back in August. He left. Tom dropped him off at the Atlanta airport and Tom Tom beat Nick back home
0: in Michigan and Tom was driving. He he didn't just beat me back home. He beat me by like 4
2: hours, <laughs> 6 hours yeah. or something. I was
0: at the airport. I got at the airport at like 1:30 and I was there till 11. I mean, uh, waiting to go from Chicago to the, to Grand Rapids. Like I could have rented a car. Somebody told me I should have done that. I was like, I didn't even think about it. I I
1: just know that there's somebody at the Atlanta airport that sees Nick's name come up and go, Hey, he's We're
2: back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I want to burn up the wires here talking about my misfortunes, especially when Tom's on, we got it. We got to get to the, to the storytelling.
1: All right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of, we'll kind of jump in. I think, uh, and, and Tom wanted me to kind of jump into this first,
2: but, uh, Leave the last the time, news.
1: the last time we recorded, I think I had only been out twice, and one of those was a was a nick hunt because it got rained out. Hit some public land a couple of weeks ago, and hiked in about a mile and a half, and got settled in. It's pitch black dark, and about the time you can start seeing the the purple haze on the horizon, I could hear the rain coming. By nine o'clock, I was just my my boots were actually holding it, starting to hold water at that point. Just to right now it was warm, but it was just miserable. So I packed that in and and headed out. I hadn't been back until this past uh, this past weekend had been doing trying to get out and walk three and a half, four miles at least every other day. Just kind of walking through the neighborhood and big red oak up next to one of the cul-de-sacs and i'd kind of been watching that that red oak and noticed i guess around tuesday or wednesday that it was really starting to drop acorns really well and i had a spot that i had actually marked on my gps uh, on the archery club where we shoot 3d targets every month Uh, i'd actually marked a couple of red oaks up there just really big red oaks and they were both of them on the edge of some really thick cover mixture of, um, privet and, and, uh, river cane, just some honeysuckle, just nasty stuff. So I figured Friday, I was just going to carry my stand, my sticks, my pack, everything on my back and walk in and check those and see if either one of those were, were actually producing. And the first one I came to, you could tell it had produced. There was a lot of, there was a lot of hulls and, and caps on the ground, but, didn't see, you know, much in the way of fresh acorns, so another from that tree to the next tree is probably another 40 yards, so went a little bit further up on top of the little ridge there and got to the second one and I could before I even got to it I could hear, you know, not a lot, but there were definitely still acorns falling from it. And I didn't want to walk too close to the tree, but I did get close enough that I could see, you know, caps and and pieces of hull so i knew that there was there was some feeding going on under it so uh, i found a good tree and up the tree i went and hung my stand and settled in that afternoon this was friday afternoon and about uh an hour before dark hour before in the shooting light i saw movement off i guess about 70 80 yards and uh i did not carry my binos with me that day but so I couldn't tell for sure if it was a buck or a doe, but it was a fairly good-sized body, so I'm I'm assuming it was a young buck. And I still don't know why, but he, it, I'll just say it because I don't know for sure what it was. It hung up about 70 yards and just never did get comfortable. And he would have been to my, uh, he would have been east of me and the wind – was out of the southwest. There's just there's no way it smelled me, um, but it it knew something wasn't right or just something didn't set right with it. And it stood around, messed around for maybe five minutes, and then finally just turned and went right back the direction it came. And I thought, well, this isn't a real good sign. So I stayed there till till dark. Didn't see anything else. Climbed out, just left by my sticks on the tree, and planned to go back Saturday morning. Uh, so Saturday morning was up at, I got up about 5am, grabbed a shower, got something to eat and headed out, got up there and was actually in, in the stand a good 30 minutes for, before it even got light. And it was fair. It was a clear day. Sun started coming up and I knew it was supposed to be windy, but by, by nine o'clock it was, Fourteen to sixteen mile an hour winds. It was some of those times when you you hold on to the tree now and then and you, you definitely scan the the trees around you looking for dead branches, widowmakers, anything else that's gonna fall on you. But uh, I managed to sit there the whole day and it it's funny, whenever a strong wind would hit the top of that red oak, it sounded like machine gun fire going off the, the acorns just flying out a tree and peppering the ground and and i didn't notice this until um sunday but huge red oak acorns i mean they were they were bigger than a good bit bigger than the average white oak acorn um and you know before i go any further it's something i'll ask i'll ask both of you i don't know how much you've you've actually how much time you've actually spent hunting over mass trees acorns but everybody always talks about white oaks and you know how you know whitetails just love white oaks but personally i've always had more success hunting red oaks when they're dropping like that than i have white oaks either one of you any thoughts on that nick
0: Uh, you know with, with the spots i have available to me and how heavy everything is hunted i am i'm perfectly happy hunting red oaks sure there are a couple of really good white oak areas we were in a really good red, red oak area the other day um John and I and it was raining just like you said in fact that was that was a couple of, I think it was right around opening day weekend i think and uh yeah there was a lot of activity i mean you we didn't see anything but you could i mean you could just see sign everywhere i mean we yeah i don't know what about you, what about you tom
2: you know i i feel like this is one of those subjects for where- Some of the listeners are going to know so much more about this than me. I don't hunt a lot of acorn trees, but like sometimes we'd find the like fresh hog sign. And, you know, if it's got, if it's underneath a, you know, whatever sawtooth or pin or water or whatever, stick with, you know, where the sign's telling you to go. Not really my thing. I'm, I'm usually hunting close to bedding.
1: Well, now I know... The times that I have hunted up there, and hopefully, hopefully this year's different. But we always, we always hunt the same week, uh, or at least every time I've been up there, it's been about the same week. It's usually the, you know, the last week of bow season before gun comes in. But there's not been that I've seen there. There hasn't been a lot of acorns dropping during the the time that I've been up there. I don't know if they're just already finished or, or what the deal is.
2: Yeah, the bigger red oak in the yard—it's a big year for it, and um, I'm guessing I, I'd have to think most of it's down. I think I think filled the almost filled a 55-gallon trash can. Yeah, I didn't already. I hmm. didn't hear
0: anything yesterday, and that was the first time. I've only been out a few times, but that was the first time I didn't hear anything. So interesting. Yeah, I and so y'all, you, you guys. I know I I remember.
1: I've seen a lot more red oaks up there than I have white oaks. There's definitely white oaks, but I've seen more reds up there. And you, I don't think, do you guys that you know of, do you have any, Tom, you mentioned water oaks, but do y'all have any late season oaks that, that drop later? Because like down here, you know, the water oaks are always the last ones. They, they'll they drop into, sometimes into December and January here.
2: Yeah. I can't think of anything that drops later. Nick, can you No,
0: I don't either. I at least I don't hunt anything that drops later. Usually it's got that first fall and at least when I hunt, and that's about it. But like you, Tom, I think you put it you put it I, I'm I'm about the same way. I hunt a lot of bedding. Um in corridors. So in fact I hunt more topography than I do actual acorns. Um, because there's so much to eat, especially early in the season. There's so much browse everywhere. Like this year, there was tons of stuff to eat all over the place. So, but the acorn fall was impressive. I mean, big old red acorns, all over the place, and we had a lot of rainfall. Um. Yeah, and I guess that sums it up pretty good for me too. But I, I don't know anything about any late, late. Like I don't think I hunt water oaks or anything like that. I bet you John could tell you all about it, Steve.
1: <laughs> well, maybe we'll have to have a conversation with John and I. You know, and you guys know, I'm I'm I tend to hunt more terrain, really, terrain features, pinch points, funnels, that kind of thing as well. But early season, I do typically try to hunt the mast trees, um, mostly oaks. Uh, you know, I know a lot of folks around here hunt. Um, you know, uh, we have a lot of muscadines that the deer do eat. Um, persimmons is another good one. I just never have had a lot of luck on soft mass. So I typically, you know, look for the acorns and then late season, I will hunt. Uh, And I, it's kind of funny, the late season, I'm, I'm definitely hunting food sources because most of the thickets that we have here that stay, you know, really thick throughout the year are are privet and the deer feed on those a lot in late season. So anyway,
0: just a little, little sidebar there. Um, Sounds like a, uh, that sounds like a good topic for another day. Actually
1: yeah we we might talk about that we need to get a map Um, but see the problem is it's so different Where depending on where you're hunting though
2: yeah yeah i was gonna say i mean i think a lot of this you know nick you and i a lot of where we hunt is Mm -hmm. small woods very near big ag right i mean there's lots of corn still standing lots of uh winter wheat that's coming up and you know so it's different than if we were hunting big woods or or big Mm -hmm. tracks you know where the the deer were in the woods all day all
0: sense, but it would be cool to have like a northern somebody from the north and somebody down by you steve talk about it a little bit but uh, i've always assumed yeah we we might can yeah i've always assumed you were a mass hunter steve i've always had you pegged as a mass hunter um
1: no no i do not i don't i typically usually once once the once the the I don't know. I don't know what they call it. Once you start seeing the bucks actually, you know, showing some interest, and in, and you hear people talk about them pushing does that kind of thing, it's typically you know late October, early November, is when I really switch more to hunting terrain funnels, pinch points, and just thick cover. Um, and usually, I start moving more towards the thicker cover. As it gets closer to the rut, because they're gonna, you know, the the does are gonna be trying to get away from the bucks, and that's that's typically where they're gonna go. And the bucks are at home in the thick stuff, so I typically move, you know, closer to the thick stuff, and then after that, I will move back in, you know, onto the edges of the the thicker stuff because again, it's also a food source. So, but yeah, we'll we'll I think we could probably plan a little bit and and probably have a real good episode about that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so. Rode the 20-foot rode the roller coaster most of that day, and it's kind of funny. Um, You know, I very rarely hunt a stand more than two days. Usually I won't hunt it but one day, but because I got in there so late on Friday and only spent a little bit of time, I figured, you know, I'd go back on Saturday and hunt the full day out of that stand. And I was actually planning on uh leaving the stand and bringing the sticks out with me that afternoon and hunting Uh, a different stand in fact I've got to go back and hunt it sometime between now and next week because I got to pull the stand out because it's my millennium that I want to bring with me up to to Michigan but so that was my plan and uh it had had gotten to it had gotten basically dark it was it was right at the end of shooting light and I hadn't heard anything so I figured I'd go ahead and start you know packing my gear up and first thing I did is pull my quiver out of my my pack i always take my great northern off um my bow so i pulled it out of the pack and was sitting there strapping it back onto my bow with the you know my arrow still knocked and uh after i finished that i, I unknocked the arrow and put it in the quiver and hung the bow up on the on my little screw-in hook there and i took my camera off the camera arm and had just pulled my my little uh, carrying case for my camera out of the pack and was putting it in and i heard footsteps and stopped and just listened real intently and pretty quickly I heard acorns crunching and I knew it was a a deer walked up and so I kind of got quiet and I thought well maybe it'll it'll eat for just a little bit and it'll it'll go on about its business well a little bit turned into five minutes and then it was 10 minutes and I'm still just sitting there listening to this thing crunch 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 and I can hear the hulls hitting the ground and, and I finally decided you know what I'm just gonna put my headlamp on and scare this thing out of here. I figured it was better for me to scare it with a headlamp than, you know, climb down the tree and let it know what I was. So I popped the headlight on and I saw two eyes look up at me and it tore out of there like nothing. And I thought, well, you know what? They're, they're definitely coming in here to eat. And at this point it's, I don't know, it's probably 8, 8, 10, 8 15 I said you know what I'm i to just leave the sticks on I'm gonna ease out of this tree and I'm gonna go ahead and hunt it one more morning and I figured I'd hunt Sunday morning till 11 12 o'clock and then bring my sticks down and that afternoon I was gonna hunt the other stand that I'd planned on hunting that morning so repeat this sunday go back in same thing in way before daylight climb up in the tree and they were supposed to be nine to twelve mile an hour winds sunday but it it never came to never came to pass it was actually a gorgeous day and i think the first deer came in about eight o'clock and it actually skirted the edge of the the uh canopy of that red oak and picked up a few acorns but it just it was just on a mission it just kept moving through and then around 10 o'clock I had another one came in and it actually came up under the tree fed on a few but it was just behind very thick stuff There was just no way I could get a shot off and when it did finally come into an opening it was it was walking at a pretty good clip And really just outside of my comfortable range. It was probably around 22, 23 yards, guessing. Um, And I had the bow up and I put tension on the string and just decided, you know what, that's just not a shot I want to take. So sat there and watched that one, you know, kind of walk out of of my sight. And in the meantime, these two squirrels started playing the damnedest game of grab ass under the tree. I mean, they were chasing each other. I kind of joked and said, well, I guess the, the great squirrel rut of 21 has started because they were, they were just tearing up everything. I mean, they were running all over the place chasing each other, and they they finally settled into this one uh, hollowed-out stump that was off to my right. And one of them would run into that hollowed-out stump, and the other one would run on top. And it kind of leaned down into it, and about the time it would look inside, the other one would run out, and it would run in. and I sat there and watched these jokers do this for – probably five minutes and finally just said enough of this. So I reached up and pulled my judo point out of my quiver and way a one was actually on the ground and not, you know, on a, uh, hardwood stump. And I pulled back and I let go. And he did one of those aerial ninja moves where it looked like the arrow should have been right through the middle of him. But somehow next thing I know he was up on this stump barking at me and my, my arrow sitting there stuck in the ground. So uh, I'd I laid my, my broadhead arrow across the seat of my stand, so I picked it back up, knocked it on the string, and hung it back up on the, the hook in the tree. And I'm sitting there watching these squirrels and was so just attuned to them, I actually never even heard the steps and just happened to catch movement out of the corner of my eye. And there's a there's a deer coming in, so... I wait till the first one's behind the tree and then I'll you know get my my bow off the hanger and get turned around where I where I'm hoping they're going to come in cuz I didn't have that many openings to shoot. And then I see movement behind that one and there's another one and a few minutes later I see movement behind that one and there's another one and they kind of just kept feeding in single file. But the lead one was was getting close to this red oak so I knew as soon as it came out on the other side of the red oak it was the best shot i was going to have so i I had the video finally i remembered for the first time got everything right i not only turned the camera on i even remembered to press record i can't tell you how many times i've shot whitetails and i turned the camera on and get so wound up that i forgot to even press the record button (laughs) and that's a that's a nice cursing episode 16 foot up in a tree but anyway had the camera running and uh she started stepping out, and the whole time, and the wind is the wind is steady. And they're you're, they came in on my right side, and the wind is steady to the right side of my 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 face. So I know there's no way they they've smelled me, and there's I haven't walked under this tree or done anything, but they just man, they were acting spooky. Um, in fact, right before the the lead doe stepped out into my shooting lane, the other one turned around and just started heading the other direction never even really started feeding under this oak so they were just really acting antsy uh but she she started moving her way out just getting a little bit closer and i kind of brought the bow to to half draw and was sitting there just kind of holding it at half draw so i could you know come to anchor and, and release when she gave me the opportunity and she stepped out full broadside slightly quartering away but mostly broadside and everything else after that kind of went into into automatic mode except for i i came back and I hit anchor and I remember telling myself pick a spot and I focused on a spot right behind her shoulder and I can't tell you why but right before I was I was just about to let fly and I thought aim lower so I actually brought my focus spot down to the heart just right behind, you know, right behind that, that front leg, right where the heart sits. And I let the arrow fly and it looked absolutely perfect. But in my, in my mind, as I'm watching it, I saw her drop and I actually saw the arrow right when it, you know, it looked like it got to that last three feet. You know, everybody knows what I'm talking about. And then it looked like it started to the bottom just fell out of the arrow, but I, I heard it hit and I was telling Tom before we started recording, it's the first time I can ever remember. And I don't know if it was because I was just so focused and concentrating on that spot. But it's the first time I ever remember seeing a flash of red when that when the air hit. I saw blood as soon as that air hit. But anyway, the air hit. I heard a, I heard a pop and she tore out of there. And I'm sitting there watching her. She made a, a half moon headed kind of back the way she came but a little bit further out and i was trying to follow her and watch her and pick a spot you know to see the last place and then all of a sudden i saw her running a little circle and over she went backwards i saw a flash of white um and when i went back and looked at the video footage later she was down in under nine seconds from the time the from the time the the era impacted her it was between seven and nine seconds um when she hit the ground so anyway i I hung my bow back up and looked at my my uh, cell phone. It was 10.30, and I decided I was going to wait 30 minutes, even though I was pretty sure she was down. And I was telling Jamie this the other day when I called him. That bow that he made me is, and, I, and I'm shooting an 820 grain arrow out of a fifty four twenty eight bow, but it is so quiet. I'm sitting there just passing the time, and all of a sudden I hear steps and look over, and the other two deer are coming back. So I ended up knocking another. There, I thought I was going to get another shot at one of them, but they they were still a little bit antsy and they knew something wasn't right. And they ended up they never blew, they never snorted, but they ended up turning and and, and kind of going back the the way they came. But but anyway, um, ended up being a double lung. It was not a heart shot. She dropped down, um, but I swear if I hadn't have, if I hadn't have readjusted my focus point, I believe I would have ended up shooting over her back because she dropped so quick. And it was about an 18, 19-yard shot.
0: That's awesome, man.
2: Wow. <clears throat> yeah. Congrats on that. And, man, what a fast recovery. And both of you guys that's, have seen
1: the video. Could you see on the video awesome. when she went down? Were you – could you – because I've had a couple people that I've shared it with, and it'll eventually be on the YouTube channel. i just got to find time to, to do some editing and so forth. But could y'all? did you all see when she went down?
0: mm I didn't see it.
1: No, will right, well, i have to go I back, to go and, back watch and watch again it look. And, yeah, just, just follow if you'll follow what? her and watch in the upper right corner of the screen, she never gets out of the she never makes it out of the the uh frame of the camera and I never moved it until after she was on the ground. That's how short the you know, she didn't she just didn't make it far. I I was honestly kinda I was sitting there going, Wow, that was quick <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's awesome man i'm so happy for you that worked out but you know a rate it what's funny is that so i couldn't make it out and um rob bob bones texted me about mr tom and then i got your your mac your message and i was like man both of them in one weekend that's that's amazing, but I'll let, I'll let Tom I'll let Tom tell that.
2: Yeah, well, Saturday was my got a late start on Michigan deer season because of other things. So my um, first first time in Michigan was feeling pretty late and it had been pretty warm and uh, going over, over to hunt at a friend's place. And he said he'd only seen four deer in his first eight days of hunting. So it seemed like things were starting slow. So it was one of those days where I, you know, you know the days you go out and you don't feel like anything's going to happen. It was one of those. Mm -hmm. It was like kind of feeling like a pay and dues sort of of hunting day. A little bit late, you know, getting dressed, getting out. Um, So I was going in right as it was cracking light. So I didn't need a headlamp or anything. Uh, kind of knew the route to where I was going and saw two tails flick up and start running straight down the trail away from me, uh, toward the stand. So I'm like, okay, great. I've kind of blown it already, uh, pushed out two deer, um, got all the way up to the stand two tails, I assume the same deer, uh, then blow and stomp and run like, okay, get in the tree stand and, uh, almost settled in and looked down. There's another deer back behind me who stomped once and then walked off the other way, like, okay, this is (laughs) just off to a monumentally bad start. Uh, about 20 minutes later. So, you know, not even an hour into the, 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 the first day of hunting, uh, big doe and two yearlings comes walking out the opposite direction. Um, walk by at about 25, 30 yards. And then they do this big loop. So they're going down kind of through an area. They, they browse where there's kind of a trail, a little circle. So I watch them go away. I watch the yearlings kind of split off into a few different directions. The doe's really kind of checking stuff out. Um, I was figuring they'd just kind of wander off at that point. Uh, I wasn't too worried about it. <clears throat> well, then she turns around, and starts coming back on the closer trail, um, and then the yearlings follow in with her. <clears throat> I'm like, well, geez. If, They keep coming up this trail, that that's gonna give me a good shot. And they got up to a a little fork and she took the trail that came even closer. And I'm like, wow, that's really close. Like she's gonna cross my scent. That'll probably finish this. And all three deer walked over where I had walked, and none of them stopped to sniff the ground there. So apparently I'm winning the lottery, like at every turn. And, uh, the first yearling walks up and, uh, <clears throat> walks right by the f- front of the stand and just kind of stands there and just hit the little brows. and Doe walks up. I started to draw two or three different times. And one time her body angle wasn't quite right. And one time, uh, she took like an extra half step, which put her eyes on the other side of a tree where she was able to see me if I moved. So, but when it was all done, I, I had her, you know, broadside in front of me, <clears throat> much closer than I expected. And I thought, well, you know, opportunities like this don't come up real often. So just pulled back, got a real nice, comfortable anchor. She was calm and collected, and everything was all right. And uh, let go. Um, arrows maybe two or three inches back from where i probably exactly should have put it but just great hit zipped right through no big deal she stood there for a second like everything was like what was that Uh, and then took a couple trots down the hill and stood and looked around for a second as steve i was hoping that she'd fall over there um but then she started walking again i was like oh crap Was that my mind playing tricks on me with where that hit? Because I thought thought that would be better than that, you know? Uh, Watched them take off down the trail. My climb down, I can't find my arrow. I'm looking all over next to the bush. Well, you know, you kind of get a little disoriented. It was the wrong bush. She was half the distance when I shot her that I thought she was. So <laughs> took a quick measure. It was four yards, and I'm in a twelve foot stand.
1: <laughs> one of these days, you're going I know, to Steve, you know an how to do this. you're going to have problems because the but, the is not going to have enough room to clear the bow before it impacts. I thought you were going to do that in Wyoming, but, <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I've shot a couple of animals closer than this one, but what? What became my day became frustrating and complicated. So, um, there did not have lung blood on it, a uh, little bit of watery. So I knew it went through the intestines on the exit. Um, but there was a bunch of dark blood. So I'm like, okay, got a liver for sure. And, you know, definitely got cleaned on the way out guts. So picked up the blood trail, gave it, gave it four hours. Um, and then some rain was blowing in. So it's like, okay, if I'm going to find first blood, like I, I better get on it. Cause there's a lot of different trails that take off out of there. Um, uh, went for basically a hundred yards, couldn't find anything. Uh, did a little grid search, looking for blood in an area of, in, a, in a hub. So definitely laid a whole bunch of set and kind of ruined things for a while, but just pick this one trail. And I'm like, I bet she went out on this one. And sure enough, after about a hundred yards, I find first blood at that point picks up and it's good, right? It's steady. There's big splotches. It's splashed around, you know, it's like, okay. Um, now, now I got the ups, right? The it's, it's been a few hours. Um, Know where, know where she's going. Um, 180 yards later, so I think it was 280, 290 all total on the track. I hit my, what was, turned out to be my last blood. So now it's uh, mid afternoon and I start the grid search, right? I got the track turned on on my Onyx and just start following every trail out. And when there's no blood on any trail, then I go back and I start working between the trails and in the brush piles and under the logs and, um, did, uh, three and a half miles from the point where I lost last blood and the area was 4.6 acres. So, I mean, I just destroyed it. I mean, I, I knew she had to be dead and there were some places I couldn't track, so I really had to hope that she died where I could, and there was <clears throat> one road that I could have crossed, but it would have messed up, uh, a couple tree stands. And I was like, well, I really, I've got no reason to believe she made it that far and I don't want to ruin somebody else's hunting. Right? So now it's getting dark anyway. It's like, okay, I'm it's cold tonight. Go back sleep on it, come up with a new plan. <laughs> so in the morning, speaking of Bob Bones.
0: Friend of the show. Friend of the show, Bob Bones.
2: In there for bacon and coffee, it's Bob Bones. <laughs> friend of the show. And so, you know, chit chat, and Yeah, he wants to go hunt here, which he wanted to go hunt exactly the place where I did not go tracking the deer, right? And so have our morning confab and drink our coffee. And just before he goes out, I'm like, Hey, I, I don't know if you heard, but I, I, I hit a deer. It was a good hit. Um, I think she's dead somewhere, but I've totally lost her up on the, on the ridge. So when you're going with your headlamp, if you see, you know, if you see hair, I've got a deer down there. Please let me know. Like, of course, man, of course. So at this point, uh, the, owner and Bob are heading out to their stands and I decided to have one more cup of coffee, you know, hopefully let those guys get settled in. And then my route to the stand I was going to sit could have ticked deer to them was what I was thinking. So I'm sitting there drinking this cup of coffee and I get the message from Bob Bones and, uh, it says, <laughs> and you said that you said sent that's me a great, picture Rob. of a dead deer. <laughs> So <laughs> I said that's a, I, I said some ex, uh, expletives, <clears throat> I won't repeat. And then I said, uh, can I come and get it now or will that mess you up? And he replies, it's 10 feet from the bottom of my stand. But please come and get it. So he let me bomb in before shooting light with a drag rope and skid the thing out. And I drug it off probably about 150 yards. And I, I tried to covertly quietly get her dressed out and everything, but I knew he was hunting just right there and then scent and everything. So he totally ruined his morning hunt to give me a chance to, uh, get her dressed out and try and save all the meat. Um, and so I'm right in the middle of, getting her dressed out and movement catches in the corner of my eye. And I look up and there's a doe bounding down the uh, power line right away. And there's a big buck following along behind her and it comes to a T intersection. There's a 50, 50. It would have either walked straight to Bob bones or it would have wandered off uh, out of all of our lives. But I thought, dang it. And she saw me and then she froze up and took off. But I'm like, it's not like I might have messed up his hunt. Like I probably messed up his hunt, but he was very uh, gracious about that and congratulatory. So good, dude. Uh, yeah, by I think eight o'clock in the morning, had her hanging up in the shed and getting to work. So uh, one. Uh, tenderloin was tainted right from the, uh, internal pooling of blood. Um, the other one was, the way she was laying, it was fine. Uh, did cut it up and eat it. Um, and then everything outside the cavity, of course, was just great. So thank goodness it was a cold night and a good ending, but I thought it was really funny, Steve, that you had this 30 yard recovery, you know, nine second kill and, I was just coming off the end of destroying a, a pair of hunting clothes, and the multi-floor rows and festered and bleeding and <laughs> sore back. And so, I, how I like, how close oh, did you actually?
1: Stopped. How close did you actually get to it?
2: Same same outcome. Uh, in my track, yeah, uh, maybe sixty yards. Yeah.
1: So th- the one thing I will and I'm not, really, I'm not really telling you this. I'm, I'm kind of just stating it because I've not everyone I've ever shot has been down in, you know, nine, 10 seconds either. I've, I've it's been a couple of years ago. I had a doe that, um, I hit too far back. My, I, I was just frozen. I couldn't feel my fingers. I probably should have never taken the shot, but anyway, um, I pulled it shot a little bit far back and, um, soon as i got down and saw the air i knew it was i knew it was a liver hit and um i think i actually reached out to jerry right away and just asked jerry what what he and bear dog was doing if he wanted to come track it and he asked me you know what kind of hit and i said oh you jerry that's the reason i'm calling you i said you know i know i hit it back and you know it's a liver hit and he said it meat's not going to spoil it's cold enough best thing you can do is wait 24 hours and you know that's really stuck with me. We actually found that deer, even though it was a liver hit. We that deer we didn't go maybe a hundred yards and and bedded down. And you know, obviously, you know, early season here you can't do that. It's 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 too hot. But um, I don't think if I I don't think I will ever go follow up on a liver hit deer in less than you know 18, 24 hours again after seeing that because I've always been the same way. You know, I'd wait four to six hours and then go and and I, I truly believe I've pushed more deer out of out of beds that were that were hit like that and caused the you know the tracking to be much longer. Not saying that's what happened with yours. I, I don't know but um it just it, it was it was kinda eye opening for me. Um so from now on if I if I do that I will yeah. definitely wait twenty four hours if if you know weather permitting, right?
2: Yeah, you know it's that one where Every situation is very different. Um, I was really worried about the meat spoiling. Like, uh, and with that rain coming.
1: Right, right.
2: You know, it's an awful big area to just solid grid search. So, I don't know. You know, I... I the good thing in retro... You know, in examining the blood trail, I'm sure I didn't bump her. And at one point, she turned a hard 90 which put her over at Bob Bone's stand that path she was on should have taken her off property onto the place where specifically, I can't go to recover. You you
1: did tell me that that night,
2: which is a normal bedding area. And so I'm like, okay, I, you know, it, there, there's all the things you don't talk about when you tell the story. I feel really good with the choices I made. I don't think I could have done anything better at the point after I let go of the string, the big thing I realized as I I went back and, um, this is now the second animal I've shot close from a tree stand. And, um, had I realized it was that close, I I wouldn't have shot. I mean, that was the big, the big lesson learned there was pick a different window or just let her go. Uh, It's just too steep of an angle. Um, and you know, I was probably lucky. I got liver instead of a shallow one lung, right? Who knows where she would have ended up then. Um, but yeah, it's uh, and the good thing, right? So uh, now that antlerless tag is punched, and there's meat in the freezer, and uh, so we can we can get serious about hunting some bucks when you get up here.
1: But. Well, and, and understand, I wasn't I wasn't criticizing in any way. I was just. You know, making a statement based on what I'm a big boy, what Steve. I, no. Yeah, but I mean, I really wasn't. I mean, I you know, Put everybody it out has that. to make their their own decisions. What are you gonna say, yeah. Smart Ed?
0: No, I'm not gonna say what. No, I was gonna say Tom. <laughs> it sounds like Tom is being critical enough on himself. Um, but you know, you, you are a perfectionist, Tom, when it comes to that stuff. You take it very seriously, so I, I I get it. But I just wanted to make a comment about Rob too. We give we give Bob Bones. Actually, he's been mentioned on the show more than any other guest. So, actually, I don't feel sorry at all. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> but that that's who Rob. Letting you drag that deer out is, is who Rob is. I mean, he always puts other people ahead, especially when it's like that. Either that or he, he just wanted yeah. to go in and eat or he was reading and wasn't hunting anyway. <laughs> but I'll, I'll go with the better option. I'll go with he just wanted you to go get your deer. And, and that's the way he is. And I can tell you that he was so happy for you. Like, you're lucky he didn't tell the entire internet.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, he he told you before I did. (laughs) I was like, who? That was pretty funny. I didn't have my boots laced. You
1: you know, somewhere in the back of his mind, though, he's thinking that entitles him to use your pan again. (laughs) Or your plate, excuse me.
2: (laughs) I'll think about it.
0: That's a yeah. Uh, Now you're you're in debt to Bob Jones now, or Bob (laughs) Bones. I don't know. I don't know if I'd want to. I've been in that situation before, but just kind of ignored it. (laughs) You are in debt now. You better let him use your plate. I'm not. I'm not sure deer's worth that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, camp's gonna be fun. I can't wait. But man, that was man. I can't either. Two great stories, man. But hopefully hopefully I, I get a story to tell at camp. That's what I'm hoping for. Um because I tell you what, boys, it's busy out here. Uh it's been a beautiful week. Uh save for today it rained. But I went out I had to get out. I so I you know, got out of work and uh I hit I hit the woods around four. That's the earliest I could get out there. And I kind of feel the same way, you Tom. I don't want to mess anybody up. Um, so if I see a car, I keep going. That's, there's plenty of other places, but there were cars everywhere. I mean, there wasn't anywhere to go. So I just pulled over to the side of the road, hauled up Caltapo, and just kind of went out to that one piece of land, Steve. I was scouting a few years ago, but never really hunted the one with all, right. the, uh, all the mountain bikers. And, yep. uh, I figure out there the deer see so much tra- human traffic anyway, it, Don't even matter sometimes, but, um, yeah, I went out there and I found some, uh, it's funny. I, I, I picked a piece of land, you know, I, I found a nice funnel with some good, you know, it was, it was a natural funnel just caused by elevation and, um, you could tell there was a little flat in there. And, uh, so, you know, the wind was right. So I walked back there and, um, found a tree and you know put up my hammock seat just did a little ground hunt that evening and i thought man this is a really cool spot i'm surprised that there's not anybody out here hunting and sure enough i turn around and there's a blind like somebody had built a blind there and i was like just when you think that you are in some place that nobody's been at somebody was there at some point (laughs) but i mean it's pretty you know i'm not the smartest guy in the world in the woods so i'm sure somebody found it you know, I'm not surprised somebody found it well before I did, but it was a beautiful sit, and there were squirrels everywhere. And I think I'm gonna have to become a squirrel hunter because this is insane. Um, of course, then I won't see any. But
1: oh yeah, you will. Squirrel hunting's fun.
0: Yeah, I like it too. And now that I tie flies with the tails, I actually do want to shoot them. But for some reason, this year, every time I see one, I have had great chances. I just don't. I just don't draw on it. I don't know what it is. I think it's. I. I always think of Tom. I always think of Bill Cooper whenever i whenever i think about shooting at a squirrel because bill always mm. says what the hell you got judos out there for your deer hunting <laughs> <laughs> you we know what you're going to do you're going to draw on that squirrel and you're going to you're going to shoot at that squirrel and you're going to spook a buck away that's 20 yards away you don't see but yeah i don't know i think i got to take a crack at one well for the for
1: the record i told i told jamie um I like this, I like this bow so much. I said, you know, uh, I hope you, I hope you decide you, you want to continue doing this because pretty soon I'm going to be asking you if you're confident enough to build me one at my normal, at my normal draw weight. Um, cause I am going to try to get back to the, my normal draw weight before, definitely before next season. I'm actually going to try to do it before February when we have our hog hunt, Tom, but, um, man i love this bow Uh, it 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 is smooth it is quiet um and again i know i'm shooting a really heavy arrow out of it but i shoot heavy arrows out of all of my bows and this bow is just it's really quiet um so i'm i'm tickled to death with it and probably gonna get him to, to to build me another one if he will soon but uh and tom i think i mentioned this to you after my my quandary the other night about whether or not to pull those sticks out so I could move to another stand. I actually treated myself. Uh, I guess it was Sunday. I was feeling real good. I already had my, my deer in the freezer. Well, I had it in the cooler. I had some of it in the freezer, some of it in the cooler. And, uh, I ordered a set of bee sticks from Dan and fault and they showed up. Yeah. They showed up. Yes. Today they showed up today. Cause I was, I was putting them together. I'm pretty impressed with them. I'm I'm anxious to see how I like them once I actually put them on a tree. But, you know, they're they're, they're the closest stick I've seen to a lone wolf, except they don't have the flip flop step that I can't stand. Um, but no, I'm I'm I think I'm really gonna like them, and I think I'm gonna like them better the way I'm running my my mobile setup this this season, which has actually turned out really nice. But I think I'm gonna like these sticks from a packing packable perspective better than my my heliums those heliums just everything works okay they're just they're cumbersome to to pack they don't they don't lay flat like i would like them to it's just like i said they're cumbersome
2: man there's just no stick close to the perfect stick for me there's things i like about the lone wolf i had those old muddy i started to buy I really liked a few yep, things and about that. I started by
1: Muddy Pros. Go ahead. Sorry.
2: No, it's just I. I don't know. I'll I'll check out these beast sticks. Everybody's talking about them, but yeah, just haven't found the perfect one yet. I don't know. You have any lone wolves left, or you just the heliums and the beast ones now?
1: the only, the only thing I've got is the the heliums I've got five heliums, one of them's been uh cut down that's one I've been using um and now I've got these four b sticks now the b sticks I got the twenty four inch so they're you know they're a good bit shorter but mm. like i said i think i'm i really do think I'm gonna like them they're i think they're lighter I'm gonna pull my four heliums together as they as I hunt with them today and weigh them and compare them to the the sticks, but I know the beasts are, are lighter. Uh, but you know, this year I went to, I ordered, a, I replaced my, my, um, Nomad two primary bag on my Kafaru frame and mm-hmm. bought a striker XL. And I've, I've had to figure out a few things. There's a few things that it took me a little bit to get it actually set up right. But basically I strapped my sticks. And if I'm, if I'm carrying a stand, my stand if i'm hunting out of my saddle i'll strap my platform against the base of the pack frame and then the pack kind of folds up and lays over the top of them and i can strap those in but um this week this past weekend was the first time i i kind of packed in and out everything so i had my sticks i had my stand i had my camera arm i had a camera base um you know my my clothes to to you know, long sleeve shirt on that kind of thing. What up? So, everything was in that one pack, and it's actually even though it's, 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 I don't know what it weighs. I need to weigh it. I would guess it's probably in the 30 pound range that it just carries so easy on that because that the, mainly the belt, the waist belt, you can carry the weight on your hips as opposed to your shoulders. But, um, I still got a few things to work out. Uh, the biggest thing I've got to work out right now is the sticks and and actually being able to climb and take everything up as I go. Right now I'm having to actually, I, I basically put my sticks up, ease back down, throw my pack on, hook my bow up, and then I go up and hang my stand and hang the pack and then bring the bow up behind me. But I just don't have a good way to carry the sticks up with me as I go up. Um, once I take them off the pack. So I got to figure that out. But, you know, I, I, I had planned to actually work through that, over the summer and obviously with everything I had going on. That just, that just never happened, but I'll have it. I'll have it fully dialed in by, by next season. No doubt.
2: You got to get this figured out. Cause you got to tell me how to do it. <laughs> just not.
1: That's right. You ended up getting, a, you ended up getting rid of your QU pack, didn't you?
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. Right away. So yeah, I'm still using the, uh, my old badlands. I really like that pack. Um, but then I use, uh, the military, uh, pack harness on my lone wolf. So been doing that for a long time, but now I have that Kuyu, but I don't, or I'm sorry, uh, Kefaru. I just don't have the right bag set up to go with that.
1: Which bag did you get on your frame?
2: So I have the whatever they call their meat shelf thing, what do they call it? Maybe it's a meat shelf. And then uh, guide lid. It's got like a little bit of stuff in there. And so like I'd have to get, definitely have to get something like your striker XL. If I go that route, But I just went hunting with two guys that had the uh, Kuyu Venture 2300s. I think that's the ones I had. But I was looking at that like that could do for whitetail hunting and, you know, day hunts. I don't know. I got to find the right, the right setup. What I have is fine, but well, I, it can definitely all be improved.
1: I'll You'll get to see, you'll get to see my setup and I will try um, over the next week before I head out. Um, I'll try to figure out how I'm going to pack the, the the bee sticks. Um and I can tell you right now, after watching Jason, uh I will have one of those stands before next year. Um I never cared for the Lone Wolf stand, but it looks like watching, you know, Dan's bee stand takes care of most of the things that I really did not like about the Lone Wolf. Um so I'm pretty sure I'll end up getting one. <laughs>
2: I don't know. I think I've just had mine so long at this point. I've had it up and down so many different trees that I just, it works. I don't know.
1: Well, I'll let you know what I think. Jason sure loves his.
2: No. Buy one so I can look at it.
1: I plan to.
0: (laughs) Well, guys and gentlemen, this has been Gear Talk (laughs) with Steve and Tom. (laughs) Sorry, Nick. (laughs) <laughs> no, that's, I'm just kidding. Well, but uh, you know. I, I like to I like to listen to you guys dirt out over stuff like that. It's funny to me because you'd be like, "What did you get?" And that guy'd be like, "A backpack." <laughs> <laughs>
1: so here's what I'll tell you. Here, here, here's what I'll tell you, Nick. Now you you can say that, but you know when you when you grow up and you're ready to go out west with us, once you go out there and and do one of those hunts where you're hiking in, you know, four and a half five miles and and the elevation changes and you're packing as much gear as we were packing, you'll see why it's a big difference. Oh, it, I'm it,
0: sure. It,
1: and I'm, I'm just like you until I had actually planned for that and did the research because I knew what I was getting myself into and then actually experienced it. Uh, yeah, it, uh, it makes a huge difference and not, not throwing stones, Tom, I'm really not, but you know, I, I, I wasn't surprised you sold that QU because of just watching how, I won't say it wasn't a yeah. struggle, but you definitely, it wasn't as you didn't have any as easy a time with the weight that we were carrying as I did.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, they've got a bunch of great products, but that was not the right system for what we were doing. So, um this kafaru well i mean just my practice hikes all summer i mean the thing is just awesome with heavy load so i'm pretty darn impressed
0: yeah i would have to pick you guys brains for a long time when it would be time for me to go out there because yep i know how, how vast it is out there and i mean i can't even imagine i'm just giving well, you a hard time
2: but.
1: now we now we got to start planning the next western That's trip right. tom
2: start planning or
1: finish planning i guess is a better term
2: man we got we got points all over the place now we gotta figure out yeah
1: the problem is, is we're probably looking at 2023 at this point because we've already got 2022 slam packed i can't fit anything else in next year so but which that's not a bad thing
2: we're gonna we're gonna have to get retired so we can get more time to do more hunting. I agree.
1: <laughs> well, Tom, you probably need to you probably need to get turned in. You're you got to get up early. Yeah,
2: I got it. I got to finish packing. Yeah. Well, good luck, Tom. Mm-hmm. Gotta get this show on the road. Thanks, guys. I'm gonna
1: I'm gonna go try to find see if I can find a place to watch this. See if I can watch the Braves throw away another playoff season. But uh, I'm gonna be turning in soon myself, and I need to give I need to give Bello Bella shout and talk to her for a little bit, but Tom, it's been great having you back on Nick. It's always good having you on here, buddy. Yeah. We missed you, Tom.
2: Yeah. Thanks guys. Great to catch up with both of you. It's been too long and fun to catch up on the, on the recording too. So it's good. Best of luck to both you guys.
0: And I'll see both of you in a little over a week. Can't wait. Yeah. It'll be great to see you guys. I can't wait. All right, guys.
1: Thank you for joining me. Take care for everyone listening. We really do appreciate you hanging out with us, and we'll have another one for you real soon. Take care, everyone.